0: Welcome to Fantastic Fights, the podcast where a middle-aged man plays through the adventure game books he loved as a child in a doomed effort to recapture his youth. That middle-aged man is me, H.J. Doom, and this episode will be taking a tour of the dank and dangerous Scorpion Swamp. But before we get into all that, I have the delightful task of thanking a new patron, Simone. Thanks so much for your support, it means a lot to me. I've started celebrating new patrons by doing a bonus episode featuring a non-fighting fantasy game book and I've got a lovely one picked out for later in the month from a range I never got the chance to play as a child. So if you're enjoying the show and you've got a bit of spare cash floating around, why not consider supporting me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash hjdoom. Any and all support is deeply appreciated and the more patrons I get the more additional content I can justify making. Uh, If that sounds more like a threat than a perk, you can always show your appreciation with a review on the podcast service of your choice. With that out of the way, let's get into the meat of this episode. Scorpion Swamp was a real departure for the fighting fantasy series, as it marks the first book not to be written by either Ian Livingstone or Steve Jackson. In a slightly confusing twist, the book was written by the American game designer, Steve Jackson, meaning that many people assumed, quite understandably, that it was business as usual. The American Steve Jackson has had a storied career in games design, cutting his teeth on board games such as Ogre and Car Wars before designing the conspiracy-themed card game Illuminati. He's also written role-playing games and several well-regarded dice games, but he's probably best known these days for the Munchkin card game and its many, many derivatives. Scorpion Swamp was released in 1984 and features cover art and interior illustrations by Duncan Smith. Will a fresh author bring a welcome sense of novelty to the series, or will the American Steve Jackson be unable to capture the essence of fighting fantasy? Let's find out as we play Scorpion Swamp. Okay, I have generated my character to play through Scorpion Swamp. The character I have called Jamboree Boggle, because that seems like a nice adventuring name. Skill 12, Stamina 19, and Luck 10, which I rolled up semi-honestly. There's a little bit of additional housekeeping for this book. It's not a classic fighting fantasy, so we don't actually start with any provisions. But there is a magic system, uh, which is tied to spell gems, which we may... may not find on the course of our adventures. So I'll just run through the spells very quickly. Uh, They're divided into three categories, neutral, good, and evil. The neutral spells, there's skill, stamina, and luck, each of which restores lost skill points equal to half your score rounding up, can't raise your score past its initial level. There is fire, which will set one medium-sized object on fire, ice, which will freeze water, into ice. It works best when there is already water present to be frozen it says which seems a little redundant. And illusion. This spell will let you create one small short-lived illusion and if you act in any way contrary to the illusion it will cease to fool anyone and will be dispelled. So the three good spells are friendship which will make one creature better disposed towards you but will not work on anyone or anything that cannot understand the idea of friendship. So, won't work in Newcastle basically. Growth, which will accelerate the growth of one large plant or several smaller plants. It will not affect anything but plants. I guess that could be useful. In a swamp. And Bless, which restores luck, stamina, and skill points to a creature that you bless. And you can only cast it on something else. You can't cast it on yourself. So, that's just your little giving people a nice, friendly little tickle. And hopefully, that'll. Respond positively to you, then the three evil spells are fear, which will make one creature fear you, provided that it's a creature capable of feeling fear, withering, which will cause one large plant or several small ones to wither and won't affect anything but plants. That's a spell I cast in the back garden very reliably every year, and curse, which is described as a very powerful spell, not to be used lightly. Uh, it costs you 1d6 stamina points something terrible there is no telling what will immediately befall your enemy possibly they will decide to start an ill-considered podcast Uh, so it tells us when we can cast spells uh, skill stamina and luck we can cast at any time except during combat and the other spells can only be cast when we're given the option of doing it which is makes sense is also a note about mapping. It says that it's a very good idea to keep a map, but if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that's not how we roll. We don't do maps here on Fantastic Fights. Uh, We like to adventure, as God intended, blindly trusting to dumb luck. So we'll skip that. Uh, There's some hints, most of which concern telling you that you should map. Again, we're going to completely ignore that. And... Yes, we've got a sword and a suit of chainmail armour as our starting equipment. I think that's all the housekeeping, so let's jump straight into the action. Hardy adventurer that you are, you have never been known to quail at a little danger. But you're no fool, you've always been far too wise to venture into Scorpion Swamp. All your life you've heard tales of that awful marsh and its disgusting denizens. But the real danger of the swamp, so the tales go, is not the creatures that inhabit it, nor even the magicians and wicked men who haunt its paths. No, the reason that so few return from Scorpion's swamp is very simple. The swamp is crisscrossed by numerous trails that twist and turn in all directions. No one has ever mapped them and lived to tell the tale. An evil fog hides the sky, so no one can set a course by the stars. Once you're well into the swamp, even compasses are unreliable. They may point north, west, or south by southeast, leading you around in circles until you drop from exhaustion. Fortunately, I'm not the type to pack a compass, so that's not going to happen to me. So, you've stayed well away from the swamp lands, but although you don't know it yet, Something is about to happen to change your fortunes. As you walk along the King's Highway, you come upon an old woman, crumpled in the dust. You carry her into the shade and give her a drink from your water skin. She soon revives, but you walk with her to the next town, just to make sure that she'll be all right. You take your leave of her in the town marketplace. Bless you for your kindness. She says when you part, wear this with my good wishes that you may never lose your way. She gives you a plain looking brass ring. When you slip it on your finger, smiling your thanks, it feels loose. An hour later, as you walk down the highway again, you realize that it has altered its shape to fit you perfectly. You have a magic ring. As you travel, you learn more about the brass ring's power. The old woman must have been a powerful witch, and she meant her blessing seriously. While you are wearing the brass ring, you will always know which way is north. Even in the deepest forest or in the twistiest town street, you will never be lost. Furthermore, the brass ring grows warm on your finger in the presence of evil, even when you are greeted in a friendly fashion. You spend a week with the forest bandits, rough men but honest in their way, and the ring is cool, but in the caverns it warns you of evil magic, and foul dead, and in the towns you find that no clever thief or lying merchant can fool you. The old woman's gift is valuable indeed to an adventurer like you. Now, you feel as though you ought to put the brass ring to some use worthy of its magic. Exploring Scorpion Swamp with its unmapped maze of trails might be the perfect task, and it might be profitable too. So, with your mind set on glory and treasure, you set off towards the bogs and fens, a scorpion swamp now turn over. I quite like the ones that start with just going, you are an adventurer, there might be an adventure here, you decide to go there. Like, it's not the subtlest motivation in the world, but anyone who's played any kind of Dungeons and Dragons or similar can certainly empathise, I think, with the idea that you're just there to get on with the adventure. You're not worried about the, the backstory or anything, just point me in the direction where there's treasure I will go there, and that's enough motivation. So that's pretty cool. The path that you must travel is a long one, for Scorpion Swamp lies in the far west of the kingdom. As you travel, you have many experiences that a less seasoned traveller would call adventures. But to you, fighting orcs and goblins, defying evil wizards and slaying giant wolves are all in a day's work. As you travel further west, the mountains around you turn to hills, the hills to plains, and the plains to damp lowlands. You know that Scorpion Swamp cannot be far away. When you enter the little town of Fenmarge, no one finds you remarkable. Many travellers pass through here. Your sturdy helmet and sharp sword indicate that you are a fighter not to be trifled with, but this is not uncommon. But when, sitting in a local tavern, you announce your plan to explore the swamp, the listeners are dumbfounded. They cluster around you, pushing back the battered benches to make room. The swamp, they tell you, holds the bones of many such as you. Not only is it trackless and infested with vermin, monsters and starving bandits, but a group of wizards calling themselves the Masters have recently claimed Scorpion's swamp for their own. One of them, a big burly man escorted by two great grey wolves, visited this very tavern last week. He didn't say much, they tell you, but he didn't seem the sort to welcome trespassers on his property. There is a, a pretty good, I would say, illustration of the interior of a tavern. Some very ordinary people, all of whom are staring at you. And if you ever walked into a rural pub where you're not expected, it does have that very strong vibe of we don't like strangers around here. So yeah, that's pretty cool as the conversation continues you realise that the villagers are sure you will die in the swamp we can't let you go they say one even makes so bold as to put his calloused hand on your shoulder to restrain you as you start to walk to the door will you challenge them for their impertinence or politely explain that you are determined. This feels like a nice, simple choice to ease ourselves into the adventure gamebook experience. I think we will politely explain that you are determined. Good manners cost nothing. The villagers shake their heads as you turn towards the door, but make no further attempts to dissuade you. But before you reach the door, a villager blocks your path. He is a short, middle-aged fellow. At first, you take him for a farmer but he seems more interested in you than any farmer should be. He takes your arm and leads you to a table in the corner of the tavern. The others have gone back to their chatting, and you find yourself willing to hear what this quiet man will say to you. He introduces himself as Gronar, if you really intend to brave the terrors of the swamp. He says, you ought to have some purpose rather than random mapping and beast slaying. Do you agree with him? I don't. I feel as though the sensible answer is to go, yes, yes, Gronar, I totally agree with you. But, like I say, I've played D&D. I think mapping and beast slaying is a perfectly reasonable motivation for going into a deadly swamp. So I will cordially, I hope, disagree. He counters your argument deftly. Not only is a mission worthwhile, my friend... But there is a great deal of strong magic now in Scorpion Swamp. You look like a doughty fighter, and you might have a little magic about you as well. But without the aid of a wizard, I fear you'll never be able to see the sun again if you set foot in the swamp. You realise he is sincere. If you want to hear more from this man, you can, or if you prefer, you can leave and go into the swamp on your own. I guess we'll listen to him. You agree with Gronar. Your journey would be much more interesting if you had a mission to accomplish as well. He nods. There are three men, in the village now, he tells you, who cannot go into the swamp themselves, but each one has need of a strong fighter, willing to venture there. The first of the three is an old wizard, devoted to the cause of good. He stops to quaff a long draught from his mug. Do you want to hear him out, or would you rather interrupt him to say you will only serve the good? I will hear him out. Um, my experience of the good is that they tend to think virtue is its own reward, whereas the neutral and the evil tend to think that money is a reward. And being an adventurer, I quite like money. Gronar orders another pitcher of ale and settles back in his chair. Selator is the good wizard, he says. Grimslade appears to serve the forces of evil. Although a simple man like myself cannot be sure about such things, and Poomchucker is a very strange fellow indeed. No one knows much about him, but he is powerful. Each of them has made it known that he seeks a champion to enter the swamp. More than that, you will not learn without visiting them. So, will we help the good wizard Celator, risk aiding the forces of evil if the prophet is right, and visit the sinister Grimmslade, or take your chances with the mysterious Poomchucker? For once, my adventurer, Jamboree Boggle, does not have the very silliest name in the book. I think we will take our chances with the mysterious Poomchucker, because I love a mystery, and good and evil's all very well, but I'll take weird any day of the week. Gronar tells you to seek out Poomchucker in the village market. As soon as you enter the tangle of streets and shops, you are lost. You ask for directions several times and eventually a group of laughing young boys escort you to a large house on the edge of the market. You knock on the door and it is answered by a goblin. Not a goblin warrior like those whom you fought, but a goblin serving girl. She escorts you to a library where Poomchucker sits. He is one of the oddest men you have ever seen. Very tall, immensely fat, with an elaborately braided beard and bright red skin. You tell him your story and ask if he is looking for someone like you. Yes, I am, he rumbles. But what makes you think that you can live in Scorpion Swamp when so many others have died there? Do you want to tell him about the old woman and the power of the brass ring? Or simply smile and say, you are a skilled fighter. I will tell him the truth, I think. He is fascinated by your story. Rising heavily to his feet, he walks to a small table on which a globe is standing. He spins the globe and it opens, revealing a pile of gold coins, Poomchucker smiles as your eyes bulge. Will you sell it to me? He asks. I will give you a hundred pieces of fine gold. Do you want to accept his offer or turn him down? I quite like the idea of the adventure just being the adventure of the man who sold his magic ring and then retired. But realistically, it's going to be a very short episode <laughs> if I just flog the magic item to the first person who offers a decent price. So we will turn him down. He gives a deep, rumbling laugh. And you are certain that you see the bookshelves quiver. He is not at all offended by your reticence. In fact, he is now convinced that you are the fighter he needs. I will tell you my secret, he explains. I am not a wizard at all, but merely a merchant from another land. I have brought many powerful spells and artefacts. The people believe that I am a mighty magician, and I let them think so, because... Hmm. They treat me with more respect. You ask what Poomchucker wants in Scorpion Swamp. Information, he replies. If I had a map of the path through the swamp, I could send my caravans through and save weeks and weeks of time in trading. If you can bring me a map showing a clear path to the town of Willow Bend on the north side of Scorpion Swamp, I will pay you half the money that I saved during the first year. You realise that this could amount to hundreds of gold pieces, but you are still wisely cautious. If you are not a wizard, what magic can you give me to help me survive the swamp? You ask. He laughs deeply. I told you that I buy many magic spells. Each of these gems here will let you cast one spell. He spills a box of glittering gems on the table. You may pick any five to take. I do not think you should need that many, but I am generous. Turn to the magic spells section in the front of the book and pick any five spells, choosing only from the neutral list because that's the only sort of spell that Poomchucker has been able to buy. List the spells on your adventure sheet. The spells are skill, stamina, luck, fire and ice. I am going to take two stamina spells, one luck, one fire, and one ice. I'm not going to take a skill spell, I feel like with a skill of 12, should be okay. But stamina, a little bit on the low side, so two of them. Luck spell, always a good idea. And the fire and ice, just because they sound fun. You shake hands with Pumchucker. his grip is surprisingly strong, and the goblin girl takes you downstairs. You walk through the busy market and across Fenmarge towards the swamp. Your quest is this: find your way north across the swamp to the town of Willowbend and return to Poomchucker with a map. Time to start your journey now. My total commitment to not mapping any of these books on the playthrough may mean that we're going to struggle considerably with this task. But I reckon if we just constantly keep going north, we'll be fine. Absolutely fine. And I'll just go back to peemchucker and say, head north. I'm sure he'll consider that a perfectly serviceable answer. You are on the southern edge of Scorpion Swamp. Thanks to the brass ring, you will always know which way is north. But you must still make a map. Very, very keen on making maps. You decide to map each path you follow and each clearing you enter so that you will know which way to go if you return to a clearing. You quickly find a path leading north into the swamp. A huge sign crudely painted on a boulder reads Stop Scorpion Swamp! Turn back! A skull and crossbones completes the grisly picture. Bravely, you stride past the warning and enter the swamp. You can see that it would be foolish to step off the path into the muck, so you follow the trail where it leads. You are in clearing one. Actually, this is no more than a wide spot on which three trails meet. The ground is very shaky and wet, and huge insects flit over the pools of water that dot the ground. Do you want to step carefully across to another trail, or would you rather just jump over the soft part? I think we will step carefully. That seems to be the safer option. Test your luck. If you are lucky, you pick your way through to the exit you choose. If you are unlucky, you make it, but only after tripping over a protruding root and banging your leg on a stone uh, at a cost of one stamina. Okay, I roll an 8, which is under my luck of 10, so we are lucky, but we do lose one luck point. Now, my brilliant... And I genuinely believe Brilliant Plan of Always Going North has hit a very small roadblock in that we can only go west, east or south. So west or east. I would normally turn left, but I can't remember which side we entered from. So I guess we will go east. Let's go east. Second of three options, bound to be the right one. Ahead of you is a clearing. Unlike the last one you found, the ground seems to be solid. This is clearing 12. You see several large flat stones, a huge hollow tree, and two other paths leading out. There is an illustration, and indeed there are two flat stones and a tree. I'm not convinced this needed an illustration. I kind of know what flat stones and trees look like, but it's there. I guess... If you live in a city and don't know what trees look like, it might help. So, can either sit down and rest on a stone, investigate the hollow tree, or leave the clearing immediately. I've only just started the adventure, so I'm not going to sit down and rest. But I am going to investigate the hollow tree, because there could be anything in there. Warily, you step over to the tree... Before you reach it, a rank odour warns you that this is the den of some large animal. You step backwards as an enormous bear pokes his shaggy head out of the hollow tree. Do you want to run away or fight the bear? Now, bears are pretty dangerous, but I reckon I can take it. I'm confident. Oh, it's like a first combat encounter. How hard can it be? You have killed many beasts and monsters. A bear doesn't frighten you. You shout a taunt at it. And raise your sword. The bear has a skill of seven and a stamina of eight. If it starts to get the better of us, we can escape. But I honestly don't think it's going to get the better of us. So I'm going to roll some dice. I killed the bear. I didn't take any damage, perhaps unsurprisingly. So I search its den, but find nothing of value. So unsurprisingly the bear had not been hoarding cash and magic items it had just been sleeping like bears do so yeah probably predictable but anyway onwards you have a choice of three paths they all seem rather swampy and hazardous do you want to go north east or west well this is an opportunity to put the brilliant strategy that i came up with into effect we will go north You notice that your path is crisscrossed by spider webs. There is a clearing ahead. Even before you enter it, you can see that the surrounding trees are thickly festooned with webs. There are many spiders here. You are in Clearing 17. In the centre of the clearing, there is a sumptuous pavilion, which seems to float above the marshy ground. It is silver grey and it shimmers like woven spider silk. Seated in the pavilion is a tall man. His thick beard and eyebrows are white, and his robe is as silver-grey as his tent. Around his neck hangs a gleaming spider amulet. You know that you are in the presence of the Master of Spiders. As he regards you from his burning green eyes, you feel your brass ring warning you of evil. So there is an illustration of the Master of Spiders. Yeah, old man in a robe with some spiders. That's basically as described in the text. Can't really fault it. Doesn't really leap out at me as being a brilliant illustration, but you can't argue it doesn't get the job done. Man on a chair with spiders. So, do we want to cast a magic spell, attack immediately, or talk to him in a friendly fashion? Let's go for the talking. Who knows, he might have a clue Ignoring the warning signal from your ring, you speak to the Master of Spiders in a friendly fashion. He answers very politely, asking you your business. As you start to reply, you feel a sharp pain at the back of your neck. The Master of Spiders laughs gleefully. You spin around and you see a black spider as big as your hand dangling behind you. As its poison courses through your veins, you slump to the ground, unable to move. You see the Master of Spiders rummaging through your pack to see what loot he has captured. Then you feel yourself seized from behind. You are dragged up a tree, coated with spider silk and left to hang. In a week or two, you will make a tasty meal for the spiders. Your adventure is over. Well, that's pretty rubbish, isn't it? I just hurled myself into the first trap available and died. So this isn't going to be a successful playthrough. I am, however, going to invoke the Sausagey Fingered Bookmark Rule and rewind time back to the previous encounter and just attack him immediately. Because I think it's a bit early to be calling a halt to this adventure. It will not count as a successful playthrough. Which is a shame. Dead early doors. I think in future I would do well to listen to the magic ring that says that people are evil. You sense that the Master of Spiders is wholly and foully evil and you attack him with your sword. He counterattacks with a gleaming wand. You see that its tip is sharply pointed and smeared with a foul substance. Each time the wand strikes you it does one extra point of damage to your stamina score. Master of Spiders has a skill of 9 and a stamina of 6. I'm going to roll some dice. I have defeated the Master of Spiders, but he did 3 points of damage to me, thanks to his especially sharp stick. Uh, But yes, otherwise I'm unharmed. Withdrawing your sword from the body of your evil foe, you sigh with relief. All around you the spiders are lurking. They start drawing closer and closer. You bend down and take the spider amulet from the body. When you pull it free a spark seems to jump from it. Suddenly the body bursts into flames. You leave hurriedly. Behind you the flames are spreading and you hope they will wipe out the evil spiders as well. I guess that means I could have used a fire spell to good effect there to avoid the fight. That's quite nice actually. We're getting a clue that would be a help in future playthroughs, that there may, be, may have been a, a better way of doing it. Why? Well, I, I really like that. That's a, a neat bit of design. There are only two exits from this clearing. Would you like to go north or south? Well, we've got a plan. I'm going to stick to the plan and go north. After a short walk, you enter a pleasant, grassy clearing. You see two other exits. This is clearing 24. You stand still for a moment, looking around you. Then you realise there is something strange about the grass it is growing up around you so fast that you can see the movement as you watch you see nippers form at the end of stalks they snap at you you are in the middle of a patch of crab grass do you want to attack it with your sword or use magic There is an illustration as well gets the job done there's some grass with snippy bits on the end and you can see your legs again it's fine. I'm not sure this was calling out for an illustration, but it's got one and it's fine. Do we want to use magic? I think not want to have a go at some magic. I'm itching to use this, this fire spell. Few spells seem appropriate for this situation. Would you like to try wither or fire? I mean, wither is the really obvious one, but let's do the old fire spell. You cast the fire spell on the crab grass. It is not dead, but draws back, giving you a chance to leave safely. There are three exits from the clearing. You can go either south, east or west. I think we east last time, so let's go west. We're definitely not going south. Always heading north. That's the plan. The knotted trees give way before you and you enter another clearing. This is clearing five. You realise immediately that there has been a battle here. The ground is torn up, blood is splashed over the dank swamp grass and you can see two arrows sticking in a tree not far away. Do you want to examine the clearing to see what you can find, or would you like to leave as quickly as possible? I mean, I do love examining things, so that's what we are going to do. You decide to look around the clearing. Perhaps there is someone who needs your help, or something that can help you. Almost immediately, you stumble over the body of a swamp orc. Quickly you search the loathsome carcass, but you find nothing of value. Then you see a wounded man leaning against a tree. You hasten to help him, but when you reach his side you find he is already dead. Three arrows have pierced his chest. Two more orcs lie at his feet. They pay dearly for his life. You see no packs or weapons. The surviving orcs must have looted the scene before leaving. You decide to give the fallen fighter what burial you can. As you do, you see a golden pendant shaped like a small magnet hanging around his neck. You may leave it or add it to your possessions. So we've got a spider pendant and a magnet pendant. We're certainly getting quite blinged out on this adventure. If we carry on at like this right, we'll be looking like Mr. T in the 1980s by the time we uh, finish. Uh, there's an illustration of the dead man. Again, it's fine. The artwork... I'm probably just going to stop mentioning it unless there's something really noticeable about it because it is just fine comic book style i would say black and white illustrations not particularly detailed but gets the job done so uh let's go onwards there are three paths leading out of the clearing The one that leads east is somewhat narrower and darker than the others. Do you want to go north, east or west? We will go north. You enter a rather pleasant glade, surrounded by gnarled oaks. You are in clearing nine. Leaning against a tree, eating lunch, is a small, cheerful man in dark clothes. His food is in a picnic basket. He has no visible weapons except for the knife with which he is cutting his cheese. He notices you standing there and hails you good day fighter will you share my meal as he speaks you feel the brass ring grow hot warning you of evil you realize the man is a thief will you attack him ignore him or accept his invitation and sit down i feel like we're going to attack him purely on the basis that last time we ignored the brass ring getting hot we died so working on the principle that The same thing might happen if we ignore it this time. We're just going to stab him. You hear the hiss of anger and the thief is upon you. He has only the dagger, but he fights viciously. And he is pretty vicious with a skill of 10 and a stamina of 9, which makes me wonder whether there was a better way of dealing with him. But hey-ho, we've made our bed and now we've got to stab someone in it. I didn't really think that through. I'm going to roll some dice. So the thief stabbed me with his shiv once, taking my stamina down to 14, and I then dispatched him. Definitely feel like there might have been a better way through that. And again, I'm quite liking this suggestion. It feels like there's, there's some contextual hints coming through from the book, quite cleverly. The body of the thief lies at your feet. He was not as clever as he thought he was. You examine his pack. The only thing you find that looks useful is a large red cloak which you can add to your possessions, Uh, which I will. Munching a bit of cheese you took from his picnic basket, you continue on your way. There are three paths leading away from the clearing. The northern one seems to slope downwards. Do you want to go north, south or east? We will go north. As you walk along, the ground becomes rocky and the path slopes upwards instead of dismal trees you can see the sky ahead of you you emerge on top of a high cliff overlooking the murky foul brood river you are in clearing twenty it is at least twenty metres down to the river and the cliff is too steep to climb down below you can see huge crocodiles sunning themselves in the water far to the east you can see a bridge which appears to cross the river but no trail leads across the riverbank in that direction two trails leave the clearing Do you want to walk south into the swamp, west along the river, dive into the river and swim north, or dive into the river and swim east? I think that diving into the river is a bad plan. There is an illustration. I said I wasn't going to talk about it unless it became relevant, but this is a really odd illustration. The artist has chosen to lavish most of his attention on the shape of the cliff directly in front of us, and... Very little on the crocodiles, which might be considered the main event in terms of depicting this environment. Really baffling choice. We're not going to be diving into the river, though, because of the crocodiles. So I guess we go south, then try and go east, and then try and go north. Yeah, that sounds like a plan. So we go back to clearing nine. And we've been here before, so it sends us to a different paragraph, which is quite clever and it asks us whether we killed the thief which we did so we're back to three paths leading away from the clearing so exactly where we were before and we're going to go east you can see that ahead of you two other paths join yours in a small clearing you are in clearing 13 you feel a prickling sensation around your brass ring looking down you see dozens of small scorpions scuttling towards you test your luck Here's an illustration of the scorpions, which, that, to be fair, is mostly pretty good, aside from the fact that the lead scorpion has a sort of manatee face. it's like the least scorpiony face you can imagine. These kind of two eyes and this kind of bulbous, sort of bifurcated nose thing going on. The rest of the scorpion is absolutely fine, like pretty good even. But it's just got this manatee face, which, I don't know, kind of makes it worse, in a way. Anyway, uh, time to test our luck. Current luck of 9. We roll a 7. Luck down to 8. But we are lucky. Your reactions are quick. You have time to decide how to deal with the scorpions. Do you want to stamp on them and strike them with your sword? Cast a fire spell or leap over them to safety? I don't have a fire spell anymore. Stamping on them and striking them with my sword seems like a recipe for getting stung. I'm going to try and leap over them to safety. Well, hopefully that'll be a skill test because I've got skill 12. Oh, roll two dice. If the total is less than or equal to your stamina, you jump over them. If the total is greater than your stamina, you do not leap quite far enough, and you are stung and lose three points of stamina. So it's not actually that bad, even if you do. Well, with stamina 14, two dice. I'm not even going to roll. I know I'll make it. So yeah, that's fine. That seems seems fair. I quite like the idea that the more tired you are, like the more low stamina you've got, the harder it'll be. That makes sense to me. Good bit of design. In some ways makes more sense than testing your luck or your skill. Hurriedly, you choose an exit. Do you want to go north, east, or west? Well, we want to go north. Ahead of you, there is an opening in the trees. You investigate. You are in clearing 35. What a lot of clearings there are in this swamp. You can see the wide, foul-brewed river running east and west. A great stone bridge crosses the river. It looks totally deserted. Do you want to go onto the bridge? Yes, I do. I don't distrust the bridge. I mean, I probably should distrust the bridge, but I'm very fixated on going north. The bridge is old, but in good repair. Do you want to go north or south? North, 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 always north. You are in a clearing where one huge tree rises from the hard bare ground. In the tree is a gigantic nest made of sticks. You are in clearing sixteen. You stop to look at the great nest. Then you hear a rushing of wings behind you. A huge eagle is hovering over the clearing watching you. Do you have any parrot feathers? I do not. The silver bird amulet? I do not. Neither of these. There is... Another illustration, and again, the illustrator has gone, I'll do the tree in the nest. Who could possibly have any interest in seeing an eagle? I won't do that. I really cannot express how phoned in a lot of this artwork is. The eagle lands on a branch of the tree and watches you. Its gaze is fierce, and its great hooked beak opens and closes threateningly. Do you want to attack it or back away cautiously? I feel like an eagle would have to be pretty desperate to go for someone with a sword in chainmail with a helmet on. Uh, I think I'm going to back away cautiously. I am a generally a lover of wildlife, apart from that bear I murdered earlier. So yeah, we'll back away cautiously. The eagle gives a great cry and circles the clearing once, then flies to its nest. You are happy to leave it in peace. I am Indeed. You have no reason to linger. You have a choice of three paths. I can go south, east or west. We will go west. You haven't done west for ages. Feels like a good option. The trail takes you to a small open spot where years ago a great tree fell and dragged down several others. This is clearing 32. As you approach, you hear the sound of fighting. You step round a tree to see a giant scorpion fighting a dwarf who is wearing leather armour. The dwarf is in trouble. And there's an illustration, and the illustrator can't dodge showing either the dwarf or the scorpion, so has commendably shown both. It's fine, yeah. The scorpion still has a kind of weird bum nose, but otherwise, yeah, this is fine. As you rush towards the fight, the scorpion catches the dwarf's neck in one of its claws, and throws him to the ground, where he lies still. You doubt that you have any magic spells which would be worth using on this enemy. Do you want to leave the clearing while the monster feasts on the dwarf, or would you rather attack the giant scorpion? I do kind of want to help the dwarf. I mean, he might be dead. Those claws look pretty lethal on the illustration, but he might still be alive. So let's let's help him out. The giant scorpion lifts its claws menacingly. It's not badly wounded. Evidently the dwarf was not a very skilled fighter. The scorpion has a skill of 9 and a stamina of 10. Oh, Lorks-a-Mercy. That's a lot of stamina. So I'm going to roll some dice. I have defeated the scorpion, which did 2 points of damage to me, taking my stamina down to 12. The monster is dead. You look at the dwarf. He does not seem to be breathing. Do you want to leave the clearing immediately? Use a blessed spell on the dwarf or search the body of the dwarf? I would use a blessed spell if I had such a thing. He'll just have to get by on my good intentions as I rummage through his pockets. You look through the belongings of the unfortunate dwarf to see if there is anything you can use. His armour is, of course, too small for you but in his pouch you find a small vial of potion. Do you drink it or leave it? this This is exactly the kind of decision I hate. I mean, I'm going to drink it. All of this talking about discretion, better part of valor, or the rest of it, it all leads to one single inescapable conclusion that I am going to drink the potion. You drink the potion. Immediately, you begin to feel very strange. It was a potion designed to make you handsome, but it was designed for dwarves. For the next hour, you will be somewhat shorter and stockier than usual, and your nose will be very big. After that, the effects will wear off. Reduce your skill by one for your next combat only. Well, that's quite fun, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's a sort of silly little thing. It's not a insta kill, and it's not a Balf it just something that, again, you'd think, oh, I'll avoid out on my next playthrough. I like it. I like it a lot. You leave the clearing. Do you want to go north or east? North, north, north. You find yourself at a crossing of paths. Which way will you go? I will go north. The path is narrow here and winds about to avoid some huge boulders. It is foggy and you cannot see far. Suddenly, the fog lifts and you can see that Guess what? You've entered another clearing. Clearing 19 in this case. This swamp is 90% clearings. I'm not sure it's actually a swamp at all. From the top of a boulder a man hails you. He is tall, bronze and dressed all in green. And you know he must be a ranger. Ho, oh, fighter, he challenges you. Do you serve good or evil? Who is your patron? Grim Slade, poom Chucker or selator" So we serve neither good nor evil, but that bit in between where you're just trying to get by in the world. I serve the merchant poomchucker. you reply. Don't know if he's very good or very evil. I'm trying to make a map of the path through the swamp. Have you already been to Willow Bend? I have not. The ranger laughs. He appreciates your honesty. Well, then you need to find Willow Bend, he says. Go south, then west at the crossing of path. From there, just stay on the path and you will come to the town. But don't stray off the path. You thank him and go on. So south, west. So we can go either east or south. So we go south and then we go west. The path widens into yet another clearing. You are in clearing 15. You see that there is one other path leading out, then... Off to the side, you see a dim glow. Is a ball of Dancing Light or Willow the Wisp? It hovers at the western edge of the clearing and then moves back a few metres. You can see now what may be another path, somewhat murky and overgrown, where the Willow the Wisp is dancing. It seems to want to show you something. Will you follow it or go on? Well, A, the ranger warned us, And B, I reckon if we follow it, we're going to come across an evil television on legs. A reference that will make sense to only the older people in the audience. So I apologise if that went over your head. But um, yeah, we are going to ignore it. Or are we? You said west and follow the path. No, Maybe we want to follow it west. Maybe it's actually going to lead us to the town. Yeah, I take it all back. We're going to have to follow it. Or do we? No, we must We must go south then. OK, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've checked my notes, my copious notes, and we've got to stay on the path. So we're going to go south. That's what the the ranger said. You are in a particularly marshy area. The ground squishes under your feet. The path bends slightly and then runs alongside a large pool. You can see that there is one other exit from this clearing. You're in clearing 28. The surface of the pool ripples nastily, and green slime coats the water. You would never drink out of this pool, you are sure. Suddenly, the scum on top of the pool seems to pull together. To your amazement, it heaves itself out of the water and onto the path blocking your way. It is a viscous lump of slime two meters wide which gives off a fetid odor as it oozes slowly towards you. So we can either run away, try and jump over it, attack it with our sword or use a magic spell. I wonder if an ice spell might work. Let's let's go for using a magic spell. Which spell will you try against the slime? Fire, wither, ice or none of the above? So we're going to try our ice spell. You cast the ice spell on the slime. Instantly, you know you made the right choice. Yes, I love being told. I'm clever. The slime is a creature of water and the spell freezes it solid. It is dead. Excellent. The slime is dead. Its remains melt and putrefy while you are watching. The smell is unbearable. You leave the clearing as quickly as possible. Do you want to go north? Or west. I can't even remember which way we came into the clearing now. Our north, I guess. Okay, north takes us into the Willow the Wisp clearing. So we want to go south from there. So we're gonna go west from there. Okay, so I've, I've just done a little bit of a dance round in a circle like an idiot who hasn't made any kind of map. I mean, I'm impressed that it's taken this amount of time for me to actually go round in a circle. This was real life, where my sense of direction is unfeasibly bad. I'd have been going round and round in circles for hours. But anyway, we seem to have made it to another clearing, inevitably. The trail winds about, but you keep to it faithfully skirting a great shelf fungus and the tiny creatures dining on it you approach another clearing this is clearing 10 you can hear the sound of voices ahead of you cautiously you peer around a tree you see a group of five men you guess they are brigands from their dress and rough speech does that mean they're wearing some kind of uniform that all brigands wear The brass ring is not warm, so you know these men are not really evil. On the other hand, there's no need to be foolish. Do you want to turn around and go back the way you came? Charge out at them, shouting and waving your sword? Or cast a spell from your hiding place? Or step out confidently and greet them? Well, they're not evil. Just people trying to get by in the world with a little recreational murder and larceny. So I think we're just going to try and brazen it out. Go and talk to Night. When in doubt, trust the ring. You stride along the path and into the clearing. They are surprised to see you, and even more surprised when you hail them casually and keep on walking. er uh, where do you think you're going? They ask. North, you reply. They are impressed by your coolness. The brigands are accustomed to demanding payment from passers-by, but they are not murderers. Although they could attack you, the odds would be five to one, and they do not feel that would be very sporting. Finally, the leader suggests a solution. You and he will fight. The first one to hit the other will be declared the winner. If the brigand leader draws the first blood, you must give him something of value. If you draw first blood, he and his men will let you go. Do you agree to this plan? It's all very kind of Robin Hood. Knights of Yore, I rather like it. I'm going to agree to that plan. There's a picture of the brigand leader and he does have something of the Errol Flynn about him. I feel like Outlaw would have been a better title. You agree that a single combat fought to first blood would be the honourable way to settle the question. You and the brigand leader square off. The other men crowd around you. But they do not seem treacherous, merely excited. The brigand leader has a skill of 9 and a stamina of 10. So you fight only until one of you hits the other. So I'm not actually going to pause. We're going to do this live on the podcast for the first time. We're actually going to do combat. So I've got a skill of 12. Let's do the brigand Leader first. He rolls 6, giving him an attack score of 15. So anything over a 3. 12. I literally couldn't have rolled any better so I have hit the brigand leader first. Well struck, cries the brigand leader, clutching his arm where your blade nicked him. That was a good fight. One of his companions binds up his wound, while another offers you water from his own flask. You all laugh and joke, just as though you're old friends. Now that the brigands are well disposed towards you, you ask them where you are. They tell you that the town of Willowbend is only a little way to the north. They add that, Of the three inns in town, the bent spear is by far the best, and you can trust the innkeeper. You say goodbye to the brigands, and leave. There are two paths leading out of the clearing. The northern one is much wider and more distinct, as though many had travelled along it. Will you go north or east? We will go north because, A, that's what we were told to do by the friendly brigands, and also because there's a nice contextual clue there. You follow the path northward. Gradually it becomes wider, and the swamp less dismal. The marsh slowly turns into forest, and before long you see a sign ahead of you. this way to Willowbend. Have you been to Willow Bend before? I have not. A few minutes later, you hear human voices and meet a party of foresters. You walk with them to the town of Willowbend after your adventures, you only want to find an inn and get a good night's sleep. The foresters tell you there are three inns in Willow Bend: the black bear, the bent spear and Tancred's Flying Horse. I kind of want to go to Tancred's Flying Horse on the basis that the owner clearly does not give a fig for the naming conventions of pubs. But the Bent Spear was the one the brigands told me was the best. And if you can't trust a professional mugger, who can you trust? The Bent Spear is a pleasant roomy inn. You pay the innkeeper a gold piece and go to your room. Soon as your head hits the pillow, you fall asleep. You wake up the next morning feeling refreshed, regain two stamina points. When you are about to leave, the innkeeper hails you. He knows that you came through Scorpion Swamp and that you intend to return the same way. You must be a mighty fighter to have come through the swamp, he says. Perhaps this is none of my business, but there is a wizard in the next street you might be able to help. Might be able to sell you some spells to help you get back. Thanking the innkeeper for his kind suggestion, you ask for directions to the wizard and leave. Do you want to visit the wizard, or strike off south across the swamp again? I want to visit the wizard. The street leading to the edge of town is full of little shops, and one catches your eye instantly. Halikar, dealer in potions and spells. You go in, Halikar proves to be a pleasant young man. He is a neutral wizard, and can only sell neutral spells. You do not have enough gold pieces to deal with him, but some of the items that you picked up in the swamp will interest him. Each of the following, if you have it, can be exchanged for one magical gem containing a neutral spell. So they've got a violet jewel, a gold chain, any of the silver amulets from the masters, a golden magnet, or the horn of a unicorn. So we've got the spider pendant. We will sell the spider pendant for a fire spell i think other than that i think we'll be fine we've still got two stamina spells and one luck spell left so we leave the shop going south back into scorpion swamp so if i'd been keeping a map at this point i could retrace my steps with ease but i didn't so i can't so this could be quite the adventure again Uh, You see that you're approaching the spot where you first met the brigands. Did you part from them in friendship? We did. We had a lovely time. The Very gentlemanly stabbing. There are two brigands resting in the clearing, which seems to be their meeting place. Recognising you, they smile and wave. You call a greeting and pass by. There are two paths leading out of the clearing. The northern one is much wider and more distinct as though many had travelled along it. Will you go north or east? We will go east. We trace those steps. This is the place where you met the slime. Did you kill it? I did kill it. You leave the clearing as quickly as possible. Do you want to go north or west? I think we are going to go west. The trail winds about, but you keep to it faithfully. Skirting a great shelf fungus and the tiny creatures dining on it, you approach another clearing, which is clearing 10. Um, We've been here before. uh, Parted from the brigands in friendship. This is the brigands clearing. And call a greeting and we pass them by. This is great podcasting. And we go east from there. This is is what my patrons pay for, isn't it? Me just reading the same few paragraphs over and over again. Place you met the slime, which we killed. So we've got to go north from the clearing that we've just come on, I think. Yay! This path widens into another clearing, Clearing 15, we've been to before. Off to the side, you see a dim glow. It's a will-o'-the-wisp. Insert 1970s children's cartoon reference. Another path, murky, overgrown. I can follow it and we can ignore it and go east. You find yourself at a crossing of paths. Which way will you go? Well, we, I think, have to work on the principle that we went mostly north going through the swamp so going back we need to go mostly south south we go south takes us to clearing 32 where we presumably will find the remains of a dwarf you recognise the clearing where you met the scorpion and the dwarf. Nothing left now but a few scraps of bone and leather armour. I guess the uh, the denizens of the swamp have been busy in my absence. Do you want to go north or east? We will go east. You are back in the clearing where the great eagle nested. All you see is the old tree and the nest. Did you fight the eagle? I did not. That's presumably still around somewhere. Maybe it's full of dwarf. Maybe the eagle... the dwarf. You are curious about the great nest. Would you like to climb up and examine it or would you rather just leave? We will just leave. I think there is nothing to be gained by doing anything other than just trying to retrace our steps. So uh, three paths out, south, east, west, we will go south. Ahead of you there is an opening in the trees. You are in clearing 35 You can see the wide Foulbrood River running east and west. A great stone bridge crosses the river. It looks totally deserted. And we will go across the bridge. The bridge is old, but in good repair. You want to go north or south? We go south. You can see ahead of you two other paths. Join yours in a small clearing. Have you been here before? Yes, we have, because it's the one full of bomb-faced scorpions. You have returned to the clearing where you met the hordes of scorpions. You look around anxiously to see whether they are still about. Yes, yes, they are coming towards you from all sides. You are ready for them this time. So I guess we we have the options again. Uh, stamp on them and strike with our sword. Cast a fire spell or leap over them to safety. So... We can leap over them to safety, because, like the last time, we now know it's 2d6 against your stamina, my stamina being 14. It's fine. So, uh, we jump nimbly over the scorpions, and we head oh, east or west. Now, this is where we're... I cannot, for the life of me, remember which way we went last time. So... We'll go east. You come upon a small overgrown clearing. You look around, but you see nothing. There are three exits. We can go south, we can go east, we can go west. Well, we will go south. You can see signs that others have walked this way recently. Ahead is another clearing. Clearing 26, which I have not been to before, so so the old retracing the steps thing not going so well for me. Suddenly... As you enter the clearing, an arrow whizzes past your head. You see three mangy-looking swamp orcs armed with bows. The other two let their arrows fly. Do you have the golden magnet charm? I do. There is an illustration of the swamp orcs. I realise I'm probably more of a connoisseur of orc and goblin art than most. But these look more like goblins to me than orcs. They're very skinny and rangy with oversized heads, and uh, again, low end of serviceable I would describe the illustration as. But we do have the golden magnet charm. I have a sudden, a somewhat sinking sensation. Right, time to test the old lock. Apparently, as of course, it now occurs to me that the chap I found the golden magnet charm on had been hit by multiple arrows. Almost as though the magnet charm had attracted the arrows, with the tips being metal and that. This is probably literally the swamp orcs that killed him. So luck of eight. Six, that's fine. We're down to seven. Luck. But that's another really good example of this book providing you with some contextual clues. These two arrows are also badly aimed but they curve around and hit your backpack. Only one penetrates doing little harm. You lose one stamina point. You realise that the golden magnet is cursed and attracts arrows. You are lucky that you put it in your pack instead of wearing it. Absolutely I am. So down to 13 stamina. Might use one of our stamina spells if we survive this. Uh, so, do we want to attack with our sword, use a magic spell, or run for our life? Well, I fancy avenging the dead man, so I think we will attack. You charge the Swamp Orcs. They are surprised at your bravery, but they drop their bows and grasp their own weapons. You are fortunate that they are not skilled fighters, because they all attack you at once. The first Swamp Orc has a skill of 6, stamina 7, second skill 7, stamina 7, third skill six, stamina five, and they're going to attack me. All of them will attack me each round, or I can only attack one. So I have to roll three times for them, uh, and once for myself, and if they, any of them beat me, they, they do damage. So for all that they've got low skill, if they get lucky enough in the early going, they could do quite a bit of damage. But regardless, I'm going to roll some dice. So... Uh, In the early going, one of the Swamp Orcs did manage to get a wound in, demonstrating that even with a system as simple as the fighting fantasy battle system, actually horde attacks can be quite effective. But once I dealt with the first Orc, they didn't get another blow in. So I'm down to 11 stamina and I am going to use one of my stamina spells to get myself back up to 90. Seems like a good idea at this juncture. So, I have avenged the man with the extravagant moustache and the cursed amulet. Probably get rid of the cursed amulet. You search the bodies of the dead swamp orcs. Their weapons are of poor quality, and their provisions are too disgusting to touch. However, one of them has a few gold pieces, which you add to your store, and another has a crude map. Comparing it with your own, you soon find your present location, but you learn little that is new. However... Directly to the south, there is a picture of a frog with a crown over its head. King of the Frogs. Sounds intriguing. Choice of three exits from this clearing, north, south and west. Well, we're going to go south anyway, and I hope that means we're going to find King of the Frogs. As you follow the path southward, you hear the croaking of thousands of frogs. Tiny ones, huge ones, and all sizes in between. The path leads into a clearing dotted with little pools. Clearing eight. At first, all you see is a number of huge mushrooms. Then you realise that there is a man sitting on one of them. He is very short but stout, with snapping black eyes and a wide mouth. Around his neck there hangs a silver amulet in the shape of a frog, and sitting on the ground on either side of him are two huge green bullfrogs. I am the master of frogs, he greets you. What brings you to my home? Now, I've been pretty scathing about the quality of the illustrations in this book so far, but the illustration of the master of frogs is nightmarishly good. He sat on top of a mushroom with these two frogs beneath him, and he just looks so much like a frog, like a person, but just uncomfortably like a frog. One of his parents was probably a frog, is the vibe I'm getting from this, which opens up a whole nightmarish can of worms about that particular relationship. Um, I'm not getting any sensation from my magic ring, so I'm going to greet him in return. I am a fighter on a quest, you reply. Your ring is not warning you of evil, so you feel safe speaking to the Master of Frogs. Are you in the service of Cellator, Grimslade, or Boomchucker? It is Boomchucker, of course. You tell him that you are only trying to get to Willowbend and back. A look of surprise appears on his froggy face. Willowbend lies far to the north and west, he says. You seem like a nice sort, though, so I will tell you something. Do not follow the willow, the wisp, or your life will be forfeit. Now, good day, I have work to do. I didn't want to know what kind of work the Master of Frogs might have to do, but I'm guessing it involves the creation of further nightmarish human-frog hybrids. Abruptly, he vanishes. His frogs croak loudly and hop away. You look around the clearing, but find nothing at all. The only path leads back to the north. You turn around and head back to the place where you met the Swamp Orcs. You are in the clearing where you met the Swamp Orcs. And I slew them. So I get to go away from this place. So we're going to go west. Ah, back on familiar ground. After a short walk, you enter a pleasant grassy clearing. This is the one with the crab grass, For those of you trying to keep track at home, I have been here before. You recognise the spot where you were attacked by the crabgrass. Did you kill it? I did not. Something I may be about to rectify. You hurry across the clearing, hoping to forestall another attack by the crabgrass. But it grows up in front of you even faster this time, blocking your way. The green nippers reach out hungrily for you. There's a sentence I never thought I'd be saying. Do you want to chop at it with your sword or use magic? Well, let's chop at it with the sword oh good lord you hack at the crabgrass with your sword the nippers are easy to cut down but more keep growing up around you fight the hungry lawn as though it was a single opponent another sentence i didn't think i'd be saying today is fight the hungry lawn the crabgrass has a skill of six and a stamina a whopping stamina of sixteen So this could be a while. I'm going to roll some dice. Good news, I have defeated the Hungry Lawn. The sheer number of attack rounds meant that eventually it did get one nip in with its silly-sounding nippers, so I'm down to 17 stamina. So I have cut down the Crabgrass. You have destroyed the Crabgrass. You have no doubt that it's dead, and I stabbed it enough times. You search the clearing. On a tree you find some scorched lettering. Beware of orcs, which is, I think, good life advice generally. You turn to leave. Three exits from the clearing. Do you want to go south, east or west? We will go south. You notice that your path is crisscrossed by spider webs. There is a clearing ahead. Even before you enter it, you can see that the surrounding trees are thickly festooned with webs, and there are many spiders. Clearing 17, and we have been here before, and we have set fire to the place before. As you approach the spot where you defeated the evil master of spiders, you begin to feel very hot. Entering the clearing, you can see that it is full of roaring flames. You cannot pass. Lose one stamina point from the effects of the choking smoke. Nice little bit of local colour, although can you imagine if you are on your last hit point, your last stamina point, dying from smoke inhalation on the home stretch? So leave the clearing by the same path through which you entered. Not passable. There are only two exits from this clearing. Do you want to go north or south? We will go south. Ahead of you is a clearing. And like the last one you found, the ground seems to be solid. When the ground last time was solid, it was just also on fire. Clearing 12. We have been here before. You are in the clearing with the great hollow log. Did you see a creature here earlier? We did. And we killed the bear. You see nothing in the clearing this time except for a few gnawed bones. Wildlife here is very efficient at getting rid of carcasses. You have a choice of three paths. They all seem rather swampy and hazardous. Would you like to go north, east or west? Where do we come from? I can't remember. So we'll go west. Oh, look at that. We are in clearing one, no more than a wide spot where three trails meet. The ground is very shaky and wet and huge insects flit over pools of water that dot the ground. Do you want to step carefully across to another trail or just jump over the soft part? Well, I'm going jump over the soft part, I think... Two dice. If the result is less than your stamina, you made the jump, and my stamina of 16 is more than up to the challenge. It seems to become lighter as you walk along. Through the trees above you, you suddenly catch a glimpse of blue sky. A few minutes later, you see an opening in the trees, and when you step through, you realise that you have left the swamp. If you are not ready to leave Scorpion Swamp you may retrace your steps and walk back the way you came until you reach the first clearing. If you are ready to return and report the outcome of your quest you can do that. You feel that you have done all you can. Now you must return to your patron and report your success or your failure. Did you undertake your quest for celator Grim, Slade or Poomchucker? Good old Poomchucker. You make your way across the fields and along the winding roads towards the village marketplace. There stands the house of Poomchucker just as he left it. You knock on the door and the goblin girl admits you. She takes you to Poomchucker's library. There he sits, swathed in a silken robe. Well, how did it go? he booms. Did you bring me a map of the path to Willow Bend? You smile broadly and pull a tattered piece of parchment out of your pocket. It is the map that you faithfully kept on your journey. Clearly marked on it are the paths on which you travelled and clearings where you fought. Each hazard is indicated. As you explain it to Poomchucker, he is more and more delighted. Finally, he claps you on the back, and although you are strong, you stagger. Wonderful, he says. Perfect. He reaches into a drawer and pulls out a huge emerald. Call it a bonus, he laughs. My first caravan will leave tomorrow. You will be my guest here for as long as you like, and half my savings for a year are yours, just as I promised. You smile and thank him. You are pleased to find out that the mysterious Poomchucker is an honourable man. Maybe some day you will know him better, but for now, your quest is a success and your adventure is at an end. So there we go. Uh, not a Proper victory on the basis that I died incredibly early on. But yeah, I think once we got past that small hiccup of a sudden fatality, we did all right. I think we did all right. I've got plenty of thoughts about this particular book, and I'll come back with them in just a moment. Wow, that was certainly interesting. This is a book I never played as a child, so I was really looking forward to getting my teeth into something brand new. It's also my husband's favourite book from the series, but it's fair to say that a lot of fighting fantasy fans at the time did not like this book at all. It's never been reprinted to my knowledge, and I think that's the earliest book in the series to be swept under the table. Is that fair? I don't think so, and I think with the benefit of hindsight, there's a lot to like in Scorpion Swamp. I think the negative reaction probably comes from just how different from the other books Scorpion Swamp feels. We've seen experimentation before, but this is on another level. Scorpion Swamp is defiantly non-linear, and presents the player with a setting to explore more than a story to follow. Like all game design decisions, that's both a strength and a weakness, so let's start with a positive. I love the ambition of this book. It is constantly pushing the envelope of what you can do with 400 numbered paragraphs. It presents you with a setting and then gives you a choice of three quests to attempt to complete within it, massively increasing the replay value and putting a different slant on many of the encounters. It also manages to do backtracking in a way that works. In The Forest of Doom you can go back to the start if you haven't found both parts of the hammer. But all the monsters have somehow magically come back to life and it doesn't feel very convincing. In Scorpion Swamp there's two versions of every key encounter reflecting how you've changed the swamp by your actions and it makes the setting feel very realistic, in one sense at least. I particularly like the fact that the Spider Master's lair was still blazing away when I went back through on the way out of the swamp. This decision comes with a cost though. The backtracking may feel impressively realistic but just like in most video games, it doesn't actually feel very exciting because you're traipsing through an empty wasteland largely filled with the bones of your many unfortunate victims. On the one hand, I was pleased to be able to see that I was on the right track. But on the other hand, my favourite bits of the return journey were when I got lost and started having new encounters. This could maybe have been solved by having different encounters on the way back, perhaps having to fight scavengers picking over the carcasses of the slain. But that would have created a problem if you then visited a clearing for the third time, which is totally possible if you get yourself really turned around. Another approach would have been to send players back a different route, forcing them effectively to have new encounters. But that would have made the game a lot more linear and taken away from Jackson's clear desire to present a unified location to explore in whatever way the player sees fit. And there is pleasure to be had in exploring in your own way. I think that's why my husband likes it so much. I'm very much a slapdash kind of player, where he is a lot more meticulous and likes mapping game books out. If there was any book that I was going to break my own habit to map out, it would, however, be Scorpion Swamp. But actually, even without taking detailed notes, I was able to get something of a sense of the geography of the place. It helped that I knew my target was somewhere in the north, because wherever I was, I knew that if I just kept heading in that direction and blundered around at random, I'd be certain to hit the village eventually. It felt like the neutral quest was probably the easiest to start with in that regard. I think the good and evil quests both require a bit more treasure hunting. Now, the cost of this decision is that you don't get that sense of escalating excitement which a more narrative gamebook can provide. There's no Balthus Dyer or Warlock of Firetop Mountain waiting for you at the end of the game, and that makes it feel a little aimless. This is another good example of how all design decisions have both a benefit and a cost associated with them. A more fundamental problem, and one which comes down to actually the quality of the writing, is that the swamp doesn't feel much like a swamp. It's actually an adventure in a bunch of clearings in a swamp, and that doesn't feel especially exotic. While Island of the Lizard King also had its faults, the sequences in the Swamplands felt truly weird and provided a bevy of appropriate encounters. Scorpion Swamp just isn't especially wet or deadly, and there's quite a lot of encounters that don't feel tied to the setting. There are some that feel just right, very much like the Toadmaster. He felt suitably dank and surreal, but a few insects, perhaps some eels or evil bog snorkelers. Those would have been a good touch. There are plenty of scorpions though, so I cannot fault it on that score. The encounters we do get are a real mixed bag. Ian Livingstone might be determined to kill you, but he'll always be trying to ensure that the hundred thousand or so murderous beasts between you and the final paragraph are appropriate to the setting. Jackson, on the other hand, gives us some very generic fantasy encounters. A bear and an eagle some swamp orcs, some evil grass, but mixes in some pleasantly odd confrontations along the way. The Spider Master that did for me at the start of the game is brilliant, as is the Toad Master, and I very much enjoyed the willow, the wisp and the slime creature which I froze to death by magic. And the magic is very well implemented here. Various books have dabbled in magic with varying degrees of success, but I do think Scorpion Swamp gets it about right. There's a decent spell list, but you only ever get to choose from a limited selection, and they are split between obvious utility spells, which replace my beloved provisions, and situational magic that will help you get past specific encounters. The Citadel of Chaos, by contrast, overwhelmed me with choice, and the actual best spells to take were far from obvious, but here I felt like I had a good handle on what might be good options to choose. And that brings us to another positive, the way in which Scorpion Swamp provides you with decent clues for working out what to do. I probably wouldn't have died at all if I'd just done a big old murder like my brass ring told me to. I also loved the light bulb moment that the magnet charm was cursed to attract arrows, and that's why the unfortunate fellow I looted it from was stuck with three arrows, even though the orcs were terrible shots brilliant. And the book is full of sensible clues that make the game feel less arbitrary than some earlier installments. This is great but once again there's a cost associated with it. If you make the good decisions obvious then most people will never see the bad decisions. And we saw that with the Doctor Who bonus episode where the book was so keen to point the reader towards having one exact experience that it didn't really feel like we got to decide anything. Obviously a professional idiot like me And find a way to die even when the clues are right in front of me. But a degree of murderous unfairness feels like it should be a core part of the fighting fantasy brand. And Scorpion Swamp is surprisingly gentle, considering it's built up as this lair of absolute carnage. Again, this isn't a mistake. It's a design choice with ramifications, both good and bad. And it illustrates that getting an adventure game book just right is far more difficult than it appears. The last thing I want to talk about is design space. Now, there was never any specific rule stating that a fighting fantasy book should be 400 paragraphs, but the majority tend to stick to that length or something close to that length. Now, when you've got that restriction, any system you put in place is going to take up a certain number of those paragraphs, which you then cannot use for anything else. Magic systems in fighting fantasy are a good example of something which takes up a lot of design space because you need to include the outcome of using spells, even in encounters, where they won't help in order to make the magic feel like it's integrated into the whole experience. So this could add anything from two to ten paragraphs to an encounter that otherwise might only have taken two. And those are paragraphs you can't use for anything else. This is why magic items tend to work better, because you can design them so that they only work for one or two encounters. Citadel Chaos is a great example of how this magic system can narrow the design, because it's got a really wide range of spells and a commitment to having multiple ways to deal with every encounter. And that meant that the game area was tiny, because there just weren't the paragraphs available to create a larger, more expansive setting. And if you compare that with the much more linear Forest of Doom, that feels huge because there aren't those additional systems taking up space. Now Scorpion Swamp has several big systems that are taking up design space. The most obvious is the unique way the map works. The need to provide two versions of each key location values a whole bunch of paragraphs. Then you've got the magic system, very cleverly streamlined to minimize design space, but It's still eating a paragraph here and there. And finally, you have not one, not two, but three quests, each taking up design space. When you look at all the systems Jackson has layered onto this book, it is a miracle that it hangs together as well as it does. I think if you view this book as an exercise in game design, then it is one of the most impressive accomplishments that we've come across in the fighting fantasy library so far. Now is it one of the best books? Probably not. There's just not enough space left to tell a compelling story on top of everything else. I've had a very nice time with it though and I will definitely be playing through the good and evil quests to find out how they fit into the game world Steve Jackson has conjured up and I might even try and map the whole thing. And I cannot emphasize how rare that is for me. Well, that's all for this episode. Join me again soon for a bonus episode, which I'm very excited about. And then next month, we'll be back to our regular content with Caverns of the Snow Witch. Stay safe, be kind, and I'll see you again soon.